This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. There is a nostalgia associated with sketching and drawing when it comes to being an architect. What type of architect sketch? Are there any benefits at all to this potentially outdated mode of communicating? Sharpen your pencils and pull out your favorite pens because we're talking about architects and sketching. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And let me take a moment to say Happy New Year's and welcome to 2021. I know. Let's hope it's better than 2020. Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel any different yet, to be honest with you. So, no. But. This is the first episode of the 2021 season here on the Life of an Architect podcast. And I thought we would start off with a topic that is frequently on my mind and is heavily represented in the emails I receive pretty much every single day. And that is architects and sketching. So this is just one of those really broad topics. It can cover a lot of ground. So we're going to kind of keep it loose a little bit, but I just want to start by saying sketching is hard for most people. It's hard for me, and it's okay if you're not good at it. There, I said it. <laughs> put it out there. Yeah, that's true. There's not a lot of us that are. There are some that are excellent at it, but there are some of us that aren't as well. This is what I always kind of wonder about when it comes to sketching. <laughs> this is going to sound like super obvious, but I kind of feel like it needs to be said. Have you ever noticed that the people that are good at sketching sketch all the time? And the people that aren't good at sketching never sketch? Never do it. Yeah. Right? And yes, so, exactly. So part of me thinks, well, it's the people that are good at it. Since they're good at it, they don't mind doing it. And so they, so they do it. And the people that aren't good at it, they're like, I suck at it. Why would I do this? It's terrible. So they don't do it. And I actually think that this is a little cart and a horse action happening here. I think the people that are good at it is because they do it all the time. That's how they get good at it. I would agree that that's really kind of what it is. But I do know the feeling of sketching and looking at it and going, God, that's horrible. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Close the sketchbook and be like, I tried, but ugh. Yeah, I get it. Years and years and years ago, and I've actually written a few, well, I wrote one specific blog post about this, and it was, I worked at a firm here in Dallas, and it was the first time I'd ever worked for a really big firm. And there was a buddy of mine. I mentioned before his name. His name's John. John K. He might not want me to put his whole name out there. And this guy was a superstar in my mind. I mean, he had it all. He was good looking. He dressed cool because he was cool. He could draw anything he wanted. Like in that moment, if I could have snapped my fingers and said, I want to be just like this guy, that would have been the guy I chose. It would have been him. Not like George Clooney or somebody else. I said, I would have wanted to be like that guy. Cool dude architect who can draw. Yeah. I mean, he was a good designer. He was funny. He was, I mean, I thought, don't get me the wrong way. I thought, this is the perfect person right here in my mind. And so the irony is, is he left. He's not even in the profession anymore. He's a contractor now. Wow. That is wild. <laughs> I know. When I first started working, I saw what he was doing and I wanted to emulate it. I wanted to do whatever I could do so that my drawings looked like his drawings. I thought his look great. Now, to this day, I still can't draw like he can. <laughs> to, I, know, yeah. it's like, I don't know how he kept, I don't know that he kept getting better. He might've been so good 28 years ago, whatever it is, that he's still better than I am. Yeah. He's just peaked. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm thinking about it. It's making me a little sad. But he gave me a couple techniques. He said, if you do this and you do this and you do this, it makes all the difference in the world. And the truth is, is it made a big difference. So I wrote a blog post once and I gave him credit. And he goes, I oh, don't give me credit. I got it from somebody else. But in my mind, he's the one that taught me. So he gets the credit. Then it had to do with certain tips and techniques that you can do that make a big difference that I, I now work into every single one of my sketches. But I don't sketch well in my mind. I don't even know if I gave this analogy before. Maybe I should let you see if you have a better way to describe it. I had a friend of mine that worked out for a while. He was pretty muscular. 
he told me once, he goes, hey, when I'm like bench pressing 225 pounds, it's not easy. I can just do it. I go, I couldn't do it. And he's like, well, it's not whatever you can do. That's how hard it is for me. I can just do it, right? Because I do it. That's all it is. Yeah. I honestly believe that sketching is is a skill and not a gift. I think some people are naturally better at it than others, but you can certainly practice and get better at it. I think that's very true to be able to practice and get better at it. But I do think that there is some innate ability to maybe not have to practice as much, or it may not be as hard. If we want to make that comparison to the weightlifting thing, there are some people that can just naturally, without a lot of work, lift 200 pounds and others, it takes a while to get to 200 pounds. They could get there, but it's harder for some than others and it takes more practice. But I do think it is a skill that can be honed, but it takes a lot of work and effort. So I will admit that I watch TikTok videos and I started off because I wanted to keep up with my daughter. <laughs> I, oh you know, she says stuff and I was like, I don't want to be that dad that just like doesn't understand yeah. what his kid is saying. So like understanding jargon and lingo, you know, for my teenager was important to me. And she was making videos. Yeah, I think by the time my 12-year-old gets there, I'm not going to care. <laughs> well, that's round two for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know. Yeah, I'm just going to be like, no, nah, I don't care anymore. Well, I don't really get any of the dancing ones. My stream seems to be filled with people that make stuff or it's science related or it's cooking related mm-hmm. or it's drawing related. That's like the vast majority of what my feed is now. And there's this Norwegian guy that I follow. And of course, he suffers from depression. It's like he's up in Norway. And he does these daily ink monsters drawings. So every day he takes this puddle of ink and he blops it down on a piece of paper and he blows on it or he daps it with paper. And then he turns it into some fantastical creature drawing thing. And it's amazing. Everyone is, you go, that's crazy. Like the imagination. Like it's a little ink blob and then he kind of draws around it or something like a paint splotch kind of thing. Yeah. He'll, he'll like spill ink on a page and take like crumpled up paper and dab at it so it just turns into like this big kind of blob of ink or sometimes Mm -hmm. he'll blow on it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he described drawing once in this way and I thought it was really good. And it basically said that naturally he's better at drawing than most people. And he goes, but you can outwork me. He goes, so if I don't draw every single day, someone who works at it harder than I do will get better than I am. I might not have to work that hard to get good. Yeah, yeah. But if you do work hard, you'll be better than me. And he goes, so that's why I draw as much as I do is so that my skills, which are already kind of lurking underneath the surface there, I can keep getting better at it. But if you didn't have the skill set that he had, he's like, you keep crying, you will get better than me. And I went, that's exactly right. But what I want to know, and I don't know if you sketch much. I mean, people kind of know that I do sketch a bit, but... Why do you think people don't sketch? Like in general or? Yeah. I mean, you're a professor. Do you see it in school at all? No. It's, I think it's time. I mean, honestly, I hate to be that way and say that, but I think it's really, it's about time, right? Because sketching takes time. It's just another one of those things that you have to sit down and focus on and really kind of do. I think at least if you're going to practice enough to get good at it, or if it's a really good sketch. I've seen people that, you know, I can sketch in five minutes, but a good sketch takes an hour or so probably. Well, are you thinking like a, an artistic sketch or are you thinking about a communicative sketch? Because I consider those as two drastically different things. I mean, that's true. We've had those discussions about sketches that cause problems versus sketches that solve problems. Right. I guess I'm talking about more the kind that cause problems, more creative and idea, idealistic kind of sketches. Yeah. Kind of like the what you see from like urban sketchers, someone who can just sit down on the corner of some street and draw the buildings that are in front of them. Yeah. I can't do that. I mean, I can't either. There's a guy I think I follow on Instagram. I think it's House Sketcher or something like that. It's House Sketcher. Yeah. Yeah. And they're crazy. I could never do that. I mean, I think it's awesome. And to me, those are the ones that would take time, right? You just sit down in front of something and sketch it out as opposed to me. I feel like I sketch a lot, but I'm sketching details or concepts and things now that I'm teaching. And they're really rough and crude kind of sketches. So I'm going to reach out to that guy and I'm going to ask him. Because see, that's kind of the basis of this conversation is with work and with some effort, with practice and with some time, I think he would say, you can do this. You may not be able to do it today. Just like I can't go out and run five miles today, but in two weeks I could. 
right? If with practice and effort, you know, <laughs> two weeks, man, that's pretty optimistic. Yeah. I could probably go run about three miles today. So <laughs> I don't think it's a huge stretch to get to five in a couple of weeks, but okay. All right, man. But no, I agree. I think it takes time. Yeah. I'm going to reach out to that. I'm going to say, Hey, here's this picture. How long do you think it took you to do this? Yeah. Because one of the things that I hold out is that the type of sketches that I always think about, which are not fine art type sketches, but like the kind of sketches that an architect would do, I think they're fast. I can generate a metric ton of sketches in a fraction of the time it would take somebody to go into Revit and try to use a drafting software as a creative tool. I mean, I agree. To me, that's, I mean, they're more diagrammatical almost as a sketch as opposed to artistic or I can't think of the right word to use for those sort of. Like they're informative. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're using it to solve problems as opposed to. Convey ideas or even maybe it's this idea about aesthetics. So I'm going to contact that guy and I'm going to ask him, how long does it take for you to do one of these drawings? Because I know that I can sketch out a lot of solutions just with paper and pen, then somebody else can take it into even SketchUp, which is way faster than, say, Revit as a kind of a ideation tool. But I don't do art. My stuff, it's not art. It's the type of thing that architects look at and go, ooh. But no clients look at the stuff I draw and go, ooh. You're an artist. You're a good sketcher. You're totally, yeah, Yeah, that's art. Yeah. They don't care, right? I think that I can, if I take my time, I can do that. And I can do that pretty quickly to convey ideas. But yeah, none of it's art. None of it's getting framed up or, you know, uh, any of that kind of stuff. Because it's all pretty crude, I think. I mean, even if I want to, if I slow down a little bit on that, I can make those, you know, fairly good looking. I think that some architects might be impressed by them. But I can't do anything that would be, that would garner any sort of public fascination of my skills with a pen or pencil. You know what? If I could give you three secret tips that will make your drawings way better. And I'm not talking about the hit, go hit, or crossing your corners or whatnot. Yeah. If you do these three things, your sketches will go from, I'll say four things. <laughs> so wait, wait, five things. No, no, four things. I'm going to go with four. I'm going to go with four. All right. So number four, draw straight lines as much as you can. So when your lines are like parallel to one another, when you're drawing, that makes a big difference to making your sketch look legit. So number one, straight lines. Okay. That's funny because I think I've seen some things where they say, don't draw straight lines. Yes. Parallel lines, but like, don't try to make a perfect straight line, but make sure that it's a little bit loose. Well, you know, that's a style, you know, like some people do like the jiggle line and I go, that's too slow. Mm. I go, I don't want to, I don't actually go whack line. I want to go little, 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 little line. I think it's the difference between the, (laughs) the artistic version and the just let's get an idea done kind of thing. Yeah. Make your stuff. Maybe it's a better way to put it. Make them parallel. When you have lines, like make your lines straight relative to one another, make things, it's supposed to be 90 degrees. Make it 90 degrees, yes. right? That kind of thing. I would agree. So straight, straight lines. I'd agree. That's number one or number four. Number three, pen weight. Pen weight's huge. Mm-hmm. Add a profile line. Put a ground plane line in. Add some what's close, what's far just by changing. Go from thin pen to fat pen. That's it. It's not rocket science. Yeah. You do that just because you've got what? Two different types of Sharpie. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'll use like the Pentel sign pen or whatever. Yeah. And half the time, the truth is, is I'll sketch it all with one pen and then I'll go back behind. Go back over it. Yeah. And I go, you'd be amazed at how legit your drawing looks when you have pen weight to it. For sure. Number two is add hatching. Some type of hatching. I don't know if it's like stempling, like add some dots, add some wood grain, add some, this is a piece of plywood, you know, whatever it is, add some texture to your drawing. Yeah. Some sort of crosshatch of some kind or something. Yeah. Just something. And number one, I forgot what number one was. (laughs) So maybe it was just three. (laughs) And number one, follow steps four through two. Yes. See previous steps. (laughs) Uh, You know what I've actually started to do is I've started to use colored pencil or markers more in my sketches. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah. Like Copic markers, like watercolor marker type markers or whatever? Or what do you mean? Well, this is actually number one, but I was like, oh, it's not the most important, but I've started to do it. So I use for like the most kind of generic infill kind of tone that I, I use a Tombow N65 dual tip pen. Yeah. Okay. It's super fast. Man, it's just, it kills it. It's such a great mm. pen. I could have 50 of them. I literally would feel like I won the lottery. That's how much I love these pens. Yeah. They have a blue one too. It ran out of ink like two years ago and I can't find it. All the blue ones I get are not the right blue. So that one gray and that one blue, those are by far my favorites. But I bought a bunch of Copic pens and I didn't know what I was doing. I got warm gray, which is garbage. <laughs> I know. Well, who, what was I thinking? Should, warm gray is the worst. But it yeah. is the worst. So those are, hey, anybody want to make an offer on some warm gray? <laughs> Barely. Of warm gray Copics, man. Yes. I just reach out to me. And then I bought a color pack, but the color, like it'll have like a lime green. I go, I'll put it down. I go, it's too intense. It's too green. Or the blue yeah. is like too dark. Everything's too dark. Yeah. And so I don't love them, but I'm finding a way to like, like even my notebook. I was doodling during notes and I wanted to add this as a kind of interesting thing because you know, I try to bring a little knowledge, just not my opinion to these podcasts. And I read a, a Harvard medical journal that talked about, they referred to it as doodling, right? Which we're not talking about doodling here, but they talked about how when you doodle, it makes your brain slightly shift a bit and you retain information better, lowers your heart rate, your brain wave pattern changes so that you can retain more information and it makes it more available for you to access it long-term. Hmm. They did a study where they took like, I don't know, 60 people, half of them doodled, half of them didn't. They made them listen to some like super boring two and a half minute, somebody rambling on, not knowing that they were going to be quizzed after, after the fact. It, yeah. And the people that doodled while the two and a half minutes worth of rambling was going on retained 29% more information than the people who didn't doodle. So they retained 29% of it because the other people retained 0%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 29 versus zero. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that. I, that doesn't surprise me, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't. Well, I won't say that I was surprised, but I wasn't not surprised either. I was surprised it was 30% basically. I found that kind of shocking. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't doodling specific to what the topic was. So like when I take notes, like in my notebook, sometimes I will do a drawing rather than try to write out the words. Working on a project in Arkansas, we were talking about these cottages slash cabins. And I had an idea and I was like, well, how do I explain this idea that I have to myself for record keeping purposes down the road? So I just did a little quick doodle. Say how you use doodle. Yes. It's Harvard. Harvard. <laughs> so I, I did a sketch of it. And the truth is, is I can look at this one doodle that I made and I remember everything that was associated, like everything I was trying to convey when I created it comes back to me. Maybe I'll include it in the show notes. And I know that that would not be true if I just had the idea while we were having the conversation and I thought, mm, I'll, I'll remember, remember that, that later. for later. Yeah. I don't think I would. Yeah. Quite honestly, I'd remember the gist of it, maybe. Yeah. Sometimes I doodle and when I don't really care about what's happening because I'll just want to doodle. But yeah, most of the time, if I'm, it's more of a form of note taking to try to visually record what's happening or what, what's being talked about and those kind of things. And sometimes even if it's not even a visual thing, I'll make diagrams with words and things like that just to try to connect pieces and do all kinds of things like that. Because to me, that helps more than just writing out notes, line, 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 handwriting stuff. Here's something else. And I wonder if this plays into it. I wasn't doing this on purpose, but now I do do this on purpose. So I use these kind of paper journal notebooks is what I use. Mm -hmm. And I will use them to record stuff because I don't have great short-term memory, quite honestly, because my brain's, I'm doing like 10 things at the same time. So Sometimes if I activate my hand while I'm listening, it will diminish the 10 things and make it two things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is one of the things that the study kind of talked about. But what I'll do on my sheet of paper, I'll draw straight lines. Like I'll draw a picture frame around the piece of paper. And I just did it to do it because it's easy. But what I realized is I go, I'm practicing drawing straight lines. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm drawing, 
I'm practicing the act of my pen tip starts here and I want to draw it to the bottom left-hand corner of my page without having to do like a massive angle change halfway through my line. Like I'm getting better at connecting these two points from upper right to upper left. Yeah. yeah. Right. I can draw a line and it doesn't look like a V. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I, I angled it correctly. Yeah, it's, it's straight enough now. Yeah. So I'll do hatches. I'll just do like draw all these little boxes and I'll draw straight lines in them or I'll do like earth patterns in it or whatever. That's kind of how my doodling has manifested itself. Yeah. And I go, it's practice without even realizing that it's practice. So let me ask you this question. You don't doodle a lot. Maybe we should change that. You don't sketch a lot, do you? Sketch a lot? No. I got all the tools and I keep telling myself that I should. Mm -hmm. Let me rephrase that. I don't think I sketch a lot in what I would consider sketching. I do a lot of problem solving sketching. When I'm teaching class or when I did teach class in person, for sure. I mean, I'd be drawing things all day long for my students to show them how things go together or all these sorts of things. But like just sketching to sketch? No, I don't really do that. Well, I don't sketch to sketch. Well, okay. So, I mean, I feel like I sketch quite a bit still. Yeah. Not as much as when I was practicing all the time, but I still sketch a lot. Is yours digital though? Are you using Apple Pencil and iPad? No. In class, I just sketch on trace paper. I roll around the classroom with a roll of trace under my arm. That's one of my biggest pet peeves in my office. It drives me absolutely bonkers. I literally get angry. You might believe this. I get angry kind of easily. I know everyone thinks I'm like a super nice guy. I am a nice guy. I would, no, I would never say that. But, you know, I get, I, there's certain things. I go, I'm well aware of it. I get irritated. And so I'm in this office. There's like a billion people in my office. And I'll come to talk to somebody about a project or a problem or, hey, what if we did this? And I'm not packing up pens and paper before I walk over the desk. I just walk over there. And then I'll look around. I'll go, here, it's just easier if I show you. And I look around. There's no pens and there's no stinking trace paper. And I look at them like. Or any kind of scrap paper that you could actually just draw on, right? Right. I go, what is wrong with you? How do you not have, they have a keyboard, a mouse, and a monitor and like a cup of coffee. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I know. I don't understand that either. And I look at them. I go, you're broken. You're broken. (laughs) Right? I don't, I I honestly, it makes my head explode. So, you know, we, we talked about. Trace, right? I'm the guy that's always making sure that, like at my desk, I probably have like 12, 80% used rolls of trace. It's like they get to a certain point and I, I don't want to use them anymore. <laughs> it's like the Sharpie pen. Yeah. It's like the bottom of the milk or something. You're just like, yeah, no. Yes. It's like underarm deodorant, right? You use it for like a week or two. There's probably half it left. Done. I'm not, I'm not still wiping it on my armpits. Dirty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but all right. I don't know. I need to like cut it off or like pens. Sharpies. Um, they're good from like 100%, like brand new to like 90%. After that, the garbage. I don't want them. <laughs> like if I don't get that same kind of super black ink, like as soon as it starts going gray on me, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not using you anymore. So wasteful. So wasteful. You should take those pins and hand them to other people in your office who don't care instead of throwing them in the trash. And they can use the other 90%. So that way, then they have a pin at their desk. I know, but I put it in my mouth this is the problem. Oh, they don't want it. I don't have to tell them. No, I could just like, like a little, I was, like just a don't little tell like them. elf, an elf in the middle of the night. Cause you know what? The last couple of weeks with the holiday season and working from home and, you know, and my office is super cool about it. They're like, eh, if you're not comfortable, just don't come in the office. Well, I come into the office because I want to be in the office. And yeah. like the last couple of days, for example, right around Christmas and whatnot, there's nobody there. Like there's nobody. I'll go into an office that normally has like 85 people in it and there'll be four people. That's it. So I could just take all my Sharpies that have been in my mouth <laughs> and go stick them in people's cup holders and they would never know. I'm going to do that Well, because they're not listening to this. Just get you some hand sanitizer, rub them down with hand sanitizer and then go drop them off. Yeah. You'd be good to go. I can't be bothered with that. I'm not messing with that. I'm going to give you my, my mouth. So wasteful. I look, I don't throw them away. They just sit in a cup. And then what happens is <laughs> this is all going to get cut. <laughs> but I'll, I'll take a pen out. I'll start working on it. I'll go, ugh, it's bad. I'll just put it back in the cup. I don't go, I hate it. And I throw it in the trash. I should do that. I'm very particular. Well, but that just means you're going to pick it up later. I know. I know. I didn't say it made sense. It's just what I do. <laughs> I bet other people who are listening to this show go, 
I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm not good at just like when I don't like the pen, but it still works. I don't throw it away. I just don't want to use it. And so I have like cups and cups and cups of like a thousand Sharpie pens. I keep hoping that somebody else will come and take some of my Sharpie pens. Anyway, here's the tip. Here's a pro tip for you. You know, trace paper can be kind of expensive. You know, it's going to be like 10, 12 bucks for a 12 inch by 50 yard roll. 50 yard, yeah. Go to Home Depot, buy craft paper for painters. It's like $3 and you'll get like 500 feet by 12 inches for a couple bucks. Like nothing. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're willing to draw on brown paper as opposed to trace paper, you could kill it. Yeah. Actually, I think sometimes you can do some really nice drawings on craft paper. I think that that brown and there's a little texture to it. You can make some nice stuff. It's got a nice tooth. Have you ever seen like a white ink Mm -hmm. on craft paper? It looks really nice. Or a white pencil. Yeah. Those look really cool. Our buddy. Eric Reinhold is a big fan of the white pen, the white ink pen. Yeah, he is. That's right. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about if you're not a sketcher, why would you want to be a sketcher? Why is that something that would be good for you? So we have, between you and me, we have two people that represent, I'll say, three different types of offices. I'm still minty fresh working in a big office, but I have opinions. I have decades of experience in a small (laughs) office. What? Yeah. I am minty fresh. Nothing. No, no, no. I saw the face. And then. No, I was going about you have opinions. No, I of course have opinions. Why would I even have a podcast if I don't have opinions? Right. That's what the people are here for. <laughs> and then, and then yeah. you have your own. Well, I guess we could say four because then you have your opinion as a professor. Yeah. And you have your opinion as a practitioner when you ran your own office. Right. Yeah. So as a boss, as an owner of the business, did you have any opinions about people who sketched Good or bad in your office? Did it matter to you one iota? Yeah, of course it did. I don't know about a course. I wanted you to be able to sketch. Yeah? Communicate by doing stuff like that. Because we all did. Everybody in my office still had trace at their desk. Because even if we were working on something, you could print it out and draw over it to figure out different ideas and do different things and work through a thousand ideas in 10 minutes as opposed to having to model it all and change it and model it all and change it and model it all and change it. So... Yeah, everybody in my office could still do sketching. Again, may not have been great, but everybody would do it. And that was part of the process. So is that a small firm mentality? The person responsible for designing it and drawing it and detailing it, documenting it, they did it all. Because I'll tell you, in my last office where everybody, you know, you designed it and you drew it and you did the CDs and you you did all of it. Everybody had trace. I could go to any desk at my last office. And they would have multiple rolls of trace and pens falling out of every everything, right? Yeah. In my new office, people are voluntarily siloed. This was a new, this is, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. I was really surprised by it. But we have people in my office now that like, they don't want to design, which was kind of a new, new thing for me. They're like, I don't want to design. That's not what I want to do. I want to manage jobs. I want to be project manager. I want to be a project architect. I want to do CA. That's what they want to do. Those people, they don't have trace paper at their desk. They barely even have pens. Yeah. They're blue beam masters is what they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So is this a big firm, small firm thing? I think possibly to some extent, I would think. Because to me, I think if you're doing some of those things and you're really not going to, let me rephrase. There are tasks and positions within a larger firm where you don't need to sketch and you don't. I mean, that's not part of your process because what you're doing doesn't really involve that. And I think maybe as a smaller firm or even a medium sized firm too, probably, but like where you're doing every part of a project, I feel like you kind of have to have some sketching that happens in that process from the very beginning of a project to the very end of a completed, constructed, built project where you're involved in all of that. I feel like I don't even know how you could do that without sketching, to be quite honest. Clearly, that's the path we're going down, I think. And I will say as a person who is has for at least the last, oh, I don't know, 12 to 15 years as a person who hires people, I will tell you that if you think that you're a designer or that's the path that you want to take, you need to learn how to sketch. You don't have to learn how to do fine art. That's not what I'm talking about. But you need to learn to be able to communicate in real time with a piece of paper and a pen. Because I will tell you that that's what gets you in the room when the client's in the room, when you're a young designer, right? That's what matters to me. 
I can't tell you the number of times I've sat in meetings with clients. Like I'm in their house, especially if you do residential work. This is insane. I don't even know why. Like this should just be like, hey, look, if you're going to do residential architecture and you want to be a designer of residential projects, you have to be able to sketch because 90% of every face-to-face meeting I have at someone's dining room table or kitchen table or wherever it is we're meeting involves me laying a piece of trace paper down on top of a plan and making a modification in real time. So if they say, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or I don't like this. Or, hey, you know, the thing is, is when I look to the left, man, slap a piece of trace down and go, well, we can do this or we can do that and doing it in real time rather than saying, well, let me get back to you on that. Yeah. I think it's a big deal. Yeah. When we were talking about just a second ago, to me, I was thinking, I don't think there's any way I could do job site visits or construction administration without sketching. It's very rare that I go on a job site and I'm not drawing, you know, on a piece of drywall or something to talk to a contractor or really? a sub about, let's work it this way and let's fix it that way. Right? I'm, I'm almost always doing some kind of sketch to interesting address something that either didn't get addressed or that's changed because of the something that things happen and all those kind of things. But I would say at least 75% of the time, I'm not on a job site without doing a, some kind of sketch to help solve a problem. I wonder if that's a uh, the designer part in you as well. You know, the person who's the designer and the person who's in charge of CA. I mean, that could be too. That could be part of it. That's true. Because I know what it was supposed to be and what the intentions were. And yeah, this is how it needs to look. So that I'm going to keep doing that kind of thing. Yeah. You're designing the solution for a problem. You just happen to be in the field and standing in front of the contractor or the trade. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're not that person in my office, it's kind of unusual. Probably about 12. I don't even know if that's right. I think about 14% of our staff dedicated construction administration, which is pretty, I think that's a, an unusually high percentage for an architecture firm. That seems pretty large for a, out of 100 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so what they do is if there's a question, like there's a problem on site and they're like, hey, what you wanted to do, you can't do because of there's a pipe here that we can. They document it and they come back to the designer and say, here's the problem. How do you want to deal with it? Figure it out. Yeah. What do we right? have to fix it? And I think small firm, if there's a problem and you're standing on site, you said drywall. And I go, guess what? You're designing on the drywall to say, here's the solution, right? <laughs> yeah. Dedicated CA person's not designing a solution, not for something that involves a finished product and aesthetic, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. So here's something else I would be interested to talk about. One of the things that I think that sketching does especially as you advance in your career, like when you have responsibility for other people and you want to teach them and learn them up, kind of talk through stuff, is it has to do with sketching fosters better discussions, I think. I've said it a couple different ways, but it's basically the same message. And that is, I bet 95% of the sketches that I create are not for my benefit. They're for somebody else's benefit. It's me and another person talking. And rather than me waving my arms and interlocking these fingers and making a circle and whatever, I'll draw it out to say, I think that we should consider this. And bam, it'll be a garbage sketch. It'll be nothing that I would ever want somebody else to see. Right. Cause it'd be proof that, you know, yeah, that'd be proof how bad I actually am. <laughs> yeah. I only show the good stuff. Folks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I communicate with the people that the designers that I work with day in and day out, we sketch all the time as a part of the back and forth process. And sketches have this inherent kind of temporary existence. You put a piece of paper down, you put some ink on it, you know that it's just going in the trash minutes later, or as soon as they can internalize that data back somewhere else, right? Then it's gone. You know, it's not like you're keeping it. Yeah. Or modify it in the computer that they have already. Yeah. That thing to try to, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's not some kind of archival treasure that's going to exist forever. And yeah. that represents the vast majority of all the sketches that I do. There are very few of them for me. So we already kind of talked about how sketching can get you through a variety of ideas very quickly. We also talked about the idea that it fosters better discussion because, I mean, when you're talking about ideas and you're with your colleagues, your coworkers, or let's say you, even clients specifically, that... The sketches that I'm creating in real time gives everyone involved the permission to talk about it or challenge what it is that I'm suggesting because there's an impermanence to it. 
Yeah. Right. As opposed to if I laid down a CAD drafted plan, yeah, it looks like it's done, like it's final. Yeah. So they got to have some pretty strong opinions about it. Whereas if I just kind of sketch something up real quick and look, I love it. Once again, Borson, you nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what you hear all the time. I it know. happens. Okay. It, it does happen. But, yeah. but that's something that just the looseness that a sketch has allows people to feel like it's okay to stick their toe in the design waters and say, what about this? Yeah. Which is really what our role is, is to take everybody's good idea and take the ones that add up to a superior idea and move forward with that. Yeah. I think especially when you're talking with clients, you talk about the idea of making discussions. And I think it's funny that I think, and I don't know where it's at, but I think right now there's probably a certain age break in there. And I hate to be that way, but I mean, I can't, well, I rarely try to explain things without drawing them, right? Without sketching them. Right. Whatever it is. But I think talking to my students, I mean, I sketch stuff. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. I'm sketching it somehow, right? Or I'm making some sort of diagram that shows those relationships or whatever it is. But like, I think that somewhere younger than that, there's a break where they're not, they don't really relate those two things, talking and drawing at the same time or sketching or diagramming. They don't. Mm -hmm. That's not how they communicate, where I think, I feel like a lot of us older generation architects or even the ones that are really good, they communicate with drawing, by sketching, by making things as opposed to just talking about them and showing finished pictures or whatever. You know, look, I agree 100% with what you're saying. I know. I'm an ageist. Well, I bristle at the idea that it's an age thing, but I can't discount that I think that it's probably, there's some truth to that. Yeah. I will say that. As you're telling that story, it made me think of this moment. And this was probably, I don't know, six years ago. I was in my office. We're all in the same space. Yeah. And we were going to go get some donuts. And somebody wanted an old-fashioned donut. Like, oh, we'll get some, we'll get like an old-fashioned donut. And one of the guys goes, what's an old-fashioned donut? And we're trying to describe it. And I'm like, here, let me just, and I grab a piece of paper and I start drawing a cross section to show how, you know, it's kind of like a. A regular the deep fried yeah, yeah, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> and I go, look, it kind of looks like this. He goes, uh, we could just look it up on the internet. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that probably would be easier to show that. But it didn't even, I don't know, for that, like 30 seconds, I was 100% committed to doing like yeah, a, two a donut detailed sections. section of a donut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I felt stupid afterwards. Right. So we fired that guy uh, later, by the way. (laughs) Internet donuts, man. Come on. Donut. Yeah. You remember that moment? Who's laughing now? Yeah. (laughs) Actually, he was, he was one of my favorite employees ever. It breaks my heart that Uh, he moved on. But yeah, I mean, I just think that's a thing. It, maybe it's not an age thing, but because I think that, I mean, all the people that are in my offices, they aged, but I mean, they kind of started that way or they kind of picked it up for me that we're talking and we're sketching and drawing. But I rarely see that quality in any of my students. At any age, right? It's very rare that somebody actually talks and draws, communicates and draws or sketches about their ideas. And maybe that's why I'm saying that, but. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Professor Andrew, mm-hmm. right? I never asked you. Do you, they call you Professor Hawkins? They call you Mr. Hawkins? They call you Andrew or Professor Andrew? It's either Professor Hawkins or sometimes Andrew. Big Daddy. No. Andrew. What? That's inappropriate. You said it, not me. <laughs> So they call you Professor Hawkins? Yeah. It doesn't roll off the tongue. I'm not going to lie. It is what it is. Professor Borson. That's even worse. Yeah. It's harder. Yeah, it is worse. Maybe I just say, hey, just call me PB. Let's just shorten it. PB. (laughs) Are you going to call me PH? PH. Or I call you PA. Professor Andrew. PA. Okay. So look, as a professor, can't you make it part of your curriculum to say, we're going to do some sketching. Like, and I want part of your process to show me sketches. When you pin up, because I know you tell the students what they got to pin up on the wall. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Say, you need to pin up six square feet worth of sketches. <laughs> right? Yeah. Couldn't you do yeah, that? Yeah. And, and in, some, in some instances I did, but sometimes it's also, it's so painful. Man, I'm telling you, I go, Andrew, that's on you, buddy. You got to do it. No, no. One class, I guess it was a second year studio where I said, we have studio like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and it was a Monday or a Wednesday or something. I said, you know, next class, all right, you're going to have 20 different sketches of ideas for this project. And they all like almost started crying. Right, 20 <laughs> like, is a lot. 20 is a lot. 
<laughs> no, it's not. 20 in, in two days? It's like, you can make those sketches and... But in their head, they're thinking, like, I got to do 20 oh, buildings yeah, I know. or something. I know. Which is the thing, right? That to try to train them to come up with, like, these aren't finished products. These are all temporary yeah. things, like you were talking ID8 about. Ideate like, some massing. It's just iterations. None of them have to be finished or thought out, but they just got to be new ideas. I want... So you're going to have a review... I want to be one of your jurors. You didn't ask me to do it last semester. I've done it for like five. Yeah, I did. You were busy. did it for like five semesters in a row and then. I know. I sent you the email. Did you? Yep. Okay. That's my fault. That's yep. okay. <laughs> I want to do this one, but I want you to make sketching as part of it. And I'm going to talk about it. Okay. All right. So the last thing I wanted to get into, I'm going to skip I'm, or I'm just going to blast it real quick. I'm looking at my notes here. Because so, one of our goals is to make these episodes not as long, right? For both our benefit and for the listener's benefit. So I wanted to talk about if you're not a sketcher and you want to be a sketcher or you're not a sketcher and I'm telling you that you should be a sketcher, I'm just going to say three things to you. Practice. Just practice. I don't care what you do. If it's drawing straight lines on a piece of paper, just do it. Just mm-hmm. practice. You'll get there. I promise you'll get better. Carry a sketchbook. And my recommendation on sketchbooks is go get a cheap one, not like a spiral binder. I mean, go get like a proper sketchbook. I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, I've got a link to some good, like, cheap ones. Yeah, the ones I use, I got like a billion of them. And they're just paper. Like, the cover's paper. It's just a heavier weight paper. And if you just lay an egg and do something terrible, it doesn't matter. Because somehow these things don't feel quite so... I have a sketchbook that's, like, gilded on the edges of the pages. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had it for, like, four years. I've never opened it. I don't think I would put a piece of ink in it at all. No, right? I can't like, oh, do it. It's too sacred. No, no, can't do it. Yeah. So go get a piece of garbage. Yeah. And if you put garbage in it, doesn't matter, right? But carry a sketchbook with you. I even have one that I started to use that actually, if you're a guy, I hate to be sexist about it, but like girls, I don't know if you know this, you don't wear girl pants, but I have two women in my house. They don't have like real pockets in any yeah. of their pants. No, they don't. All their pants or pockets are fake. Yeah. Like, or they're like one inch deep. Yeah. But if you're a dude, this sketchbook fits in your back pocket. It's not a little bitty one. I mean, it's like eight and a half by five or something, but it fits in your back pocket. Carry a sketchbook around and just write stuff in it. Just make marks in it. That's number two. Number three, just give it a shot. Dedicate some time to it because being bad at it is better than not doing it at all. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. The trajectory of your career, if you consider yourself a designer, will change if you can sketch. I can promise you that. Okay. And just start doing so, it. Just do it. You can do it. You can do it. That's actually one of my New Year's resolutions. I got all the stuff. I'm going to start trying to do it every day. Yeah. I'm telling you. And you said it once, and I wish I could remember. You were really gentle and graceful in how you said it. You're like, I think it had to do with taking the ARE. Like, you can do it. Yeah. You can do it. All right. I love that conversation. I love talking about drawing. I love talking about sketching. But you know what time it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> However... I need to point out to the listeners, because, you know, this is when we do the hypothetical question, and I love the hypothetical question. And I think I've even come online to saying, look, I'd almost be willing to do a second podcast that's dedicated just to hypothetical questions. Yeah, only. I think architects are well suited to, like, imagining all the different variations that you can go through. Like, that's what our skill set is, is asking questions, thinking about stuff. Yeah. But the hypothetical sometimes, they get a little involved, they take a lot of time. And we're trying to keep these episodes just, I don't know, like 10 minutes shorter. Not a huge difference, but just a little bit shorter. So. And we're running out of them. I think we've, we've covered, I mean, even though it's what, 60 something, I don't know. Maybe we we'll probably only hit about 50 of them. I still. I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, I thought of a whole bunch of new ones. I was like, we hadn't even thought about this. It was kind of like how I avoided zombie questions for a long time. Yeah. Uh, there's like a whole new untapped hypothetical genre that I discovered the other day. And I was like, ooh. So we'll still do some. Well, you should have written them down. That's my problem is I think of them and I'm like, <laughs> as I'm going to sleep, I'm like, oh, I'll remember tomorrow. And I forget no, them. I type it in my notepad on my phone. There you go. You should see my notepad on my phone. I, it I is. I don't think I want to. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're going to kind of compress them a little bit. And rather than, and we've already kind of done these a little bit. So rather than doing a true hypothetical, we're going to do a would you rather, because it's kind of like, would you rather A or would you rather B? Then we can talk about that. It's very simple. Yeah. Probably not take as long. So. We're still going to do hypotheticals every once in a while. I mean, it's not like oh, we're yeah. getting abandoning them all together. Yes. Because right? I love the hypothetical. Yeah. But to kick off episode one of the 2021 season, we're going to do a would you rather. 
All right. You have to come up with a new, would you rather? I have to come up with a new tune for that. <laughs> we never came up with a real tune for the hypothetical either. So I know, I know. Just another unfulfilled, I don't know what, it would, that's not a fantasy, but. What the word is, yeah. Uh, possibility. <laughs> yeah, so here you go. Here's the first would you rather question for the year, okay? Would you rather the aliens that make first contact on Earth be robotic or organic? Boom. What's your answer? Right quick. Go. Bow. What is it going to be? I'm going to go with robotic. Ooh. The organic ones scare me. Anytime you've ever seen organic aliens in any kind of movie, they're always scary. Yeah. Like there's not any good ones. I mean, not that the robots are really that great either, but I feel like there's a part of me that thinks maybe if it came to it, we could defeat robots easier than we could defeat organic aliens. I thought the same thing, but let me ask you this. If it's a robot alien, don't you think they're here to conquer us? Whereas if they're just organic, maybe they're just like, what's up? And you're just putting your fears on it. No, because I feel like the other way around. I feel like if they're organic, they're here because they want to. They need the minerals from our planet. our planet because they need our planet. Whereas if a robot, they don't need it. They're just here to figure something out or whatever. I don't know. Organics, they're always coming to steal our planet because they've already used up all theirs. They've or destroyed their, they need more nickel, cadmium, and our planet is rich. <laughs> or they just need more water or something. You know, they're going to steal all the water. <sighs> I think I'm going with robotic. I just feel like, I feel like there's a better way to destroy them. Yeah. See, because. Granted, they didn't work out in the Matrix because then they turned us into batteries, but still. Yeah. Okay. So see, but that's where this thing kind of breaks down. You either think one or the other is predatory and one of them is i don't know not or less predatory yeah right because what if they're hot right i mean if they're organic and they show up does your brain instantly go to oh when they open their mouth they have like another mouth inside of it right you think something terrible or they got tentacles <laughs> you think something horror yeah but they don't have to be they could be you know yeah they can be sure. friendly they can be two and a half feet tall and like just walk around <laughs> they have big smiles on their face right it'd be a lot different they show up with like suits and like you're thinking those are probably lasers when they could just be like air imports or something you know you don't know yeah i thought robotic was the way to go because i instantly went to i think we'd have a better shot at defeating a robotic alien than like a true organic alien that's what i thought yeah me too the more i've kind of thought myself through it i think if they were organic aliens maybe we could be friends that's what i think yeah, maybe. Maybe I think you could be friends with robots too, but I, yeah, I don't know. Mm-mm. I still, I think I'm still going to stick can't. with robots. Alien organics, they just, organic aliens scare me. Some's controlling that robot. Yeah, just another right? robot. Where's the, a big robot brain. Or, no, where's the organic that's controlling that robot? It may not be. It could have been organic and then they got oh, you're thinking it's taken a ro- over by robots. Mm. And then the robots are, you know, own everything. So they were the the original, the organic creators of the robots were destroyed exactly. by the robots. It's like a Terminator situation. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. See, you went annihilation route. <laughs> I'm trying to get to, we could be friends. Like we're buddies. Happy, friendly route. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They could touch you and you're like, give you the knowledge of the universe. That is probably more likely with an organic form to be friends. And have a cohabitable existing relationship than it would be with robots. I would agree. Yeah. Robots, you're definitely getting it on, right? My inclination is all aliens are going to come in to kill us. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely if they're robotic, they're there for why. like for business. They're here to take. Yeah. Yeah. The organics are just like, what's up? But they'd say it and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. You know, until we have like a universal translator, we're done. Or they're here to take. We're going to think everyone's here to destroy us. This is true. You don't think? You're going robot. Eh, yeah, I'm still going to stick with robot. I almost turned you, though, didn't I? Close. You close. Al- almost? Close. Dang it. I still think it's that because I think no matter what, both are coming to destroy us, and I feel like we could beat the robots before we could meet the organics. All right. I'll give you that. That's all I got, man. Well, what about War of the Worlds? There were machines, but there were organics inside the machines. And we defeated them because they all got the cold. Yeah. The way that we evolved on this planet, we can handle that. But they couldn't. And that's what got them. This is true. That would be the thing about organics, right? Is we could give them the 
Give them the COVID and they all die. Yes. <laughs> COVID, our savior. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Throw a bucket of water on them. I'm going to go organic. They could be beautiful. Well, oh, that's fine. You can go the optimistic route. I'm sticking with the pessimistic robots. <laughs> that aligns with our personalities, I think. A little bit. Yeah, probably. I'm angry, but optimistic. And you're passive, but pessimistic. That's what <laughs> I go with. Okay. I don't know about me being passive, but all right. I just defined us in four words. Okay. So here we go. There's the first would you rather. I'm going to give myself gold medal. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, okay. So thanks. Here's the thing though. How, how can you fail? Can you still fail or would you rather? No. I think that's the question. No, you can't. So you can be, we're both right. Okay. I'm just more right. <laughs> All right. Okay, fair enough, look, fair let's enough. wrap it up. Yeah. Thanks everybody for being with us today for episode 66, Architects and Sketching. We would like to thank our media partners, Building Design and Construction, for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast. If you liked today's episode, please take the next 15 seconds and head over to your favorite podcast listening app and hit that subscribe button so you can get freshly drawn new episodes automatically downloaded every two weeks. While you're there, please consider leaving us a comment and I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star Sharpen Your Pencil rating. Be sure to visit the original lifeofanarchitect.com for show notes, links, info, and photos from this outstanding episode. Be sure to stick around. No, you know what? We're not doing bloopers anymore, people. <laughs> That's like, oops. Yeah. This is an era of less work for Bob and Andrew, so no more bloopers. But we do want you to stick around to the very end because the outro music is amazing. So thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. Happy New Year. Happy 2021.